Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools. And we're here to defend and to promote public education. We have a website at www.adogs.info and we have a press release this week, 608. Figures now prove that state aid to private religious schools is not only only bad social policy, it's economic stupidity. For half a century, dogs have argued that state aid to private schools was not only bad social policy, educating those able to pay for the first class ticket to heaven and a good job. It would in the end prove disastrous, if not stupid, economically. The dissembling, false claims, scaremongering and misuse of statistics by the private and religious school sector over the last 50 years is finally under scrutiny from not just the dogs but another group that includes statistic experts that are recognised and are also on the end of a phone call as consultants for the Fairfax and other media and they are members of the Save Our Schools. They are the gurus, the statistical and educational gurus. The coalition which has private schools in their DNA, and the weak-kneed Labor Party have showered the the, uh, private sector with so much public money that the figures are blowing their economic arguments out of the water. Although Chris Bonner, Bernie Shepherd and Trevor Cobald still promote Gonski on their Save Our Schools website, with the facts and figures, it will not be long, they argue, before they realise that not only the way forward for a national system is that discovered by our forefathers in the 19th century and practised in countries like Finland and Germany. They will realise that public is public and private is private, never the twain shall meet, and no public funding of private religious education will ever educate a nation's children. No country can educate its population with a school system that discriminates against children on the basis of religion or ability to pay. It's just common sense. Australians are noted for their common sense, but there's been pretty short supply amongst the, um, uh, some of the members of the middle class at the moment. Now, the Save Our Schools team should be commended for their research 
In a nutshell, they have proved that on recent funding trends, which is on the My School website, 40% of Catholic schools will get per student public funding. Now, this is only direct funding, not uh, not um, all the exemptions and indirect funding. Um, the per student public funding, direct funding, will be in excess of similar government schools next year in 2016. And another 40% of Catholic schools, two years in, in 2018, will get more than public schools, and half of the independent schools will be getting more than the public schools per head by the end of the decade. Now, they're not taking into account all of the private fees that are paid at these schools. This is just direct public funding. They're not taking into account all of the interest that is paid by the taxpayers when these schools take out debts. They're not taking into account all of the capital grants. They're not taking into account either uh, all of the exemptions. Now, you can read all about this, um, and we've given you the website on our press release. They have produced a very long report with all of the facts and figures. But the following is their executive summary of the re their research. Recent trends in school recurrent funding strongly suggest that over 40% of students in Catholic schools next year will average as much, if not more, public funding than their peers in similar government schools. Two years further on, an additional 40% will most likely join them, and half the students in independent schools are on track to get as much, if not more, than government school students by the end of the decade. I have already just read that, but this is from their executive summary. And I don't think it... Um, loses anything by repeating it. Uh, now, their finding emerges as one of the most significant to date from the analysis of my school data. Uh, Bonner and Shepherd say that they have previously shown that changes in school funding in recent years, increasingly favouring students who are already advantaged, has done little for student achievement and nothing for equity. Earlier this year, they pointed to a $3 billion overinvestment in better-off students without any measurable gain in their achievement. Now they find that state and federal governments within four years will be funding the vast majority of private school students at levels higher than students in similar government schools. Concerns about funding equity should now be joined by concerns about effectiveness and efficiency in how we provide and fund schools. The apparent runaway public funding of private schools is a legacy of discredited sector-based funding, which the half-hunted implementation of the Gonski recommendations hasn't really touched, and which current school funding schemes and dreams will almost certainly worsen. While Gonski pointed to the need to close the gaps in student achievement, the only gap being closed is that between government funding of its own schools and its funding of the schools that are considered to be private. Well, when they've got so much public funding, one wonders why on earth they call themselves private. Private schools are about to operate at a far more substantial and previously unimaginable public cost. In this report, we illustrate how funding has changed and how familiar claims about the relative cost of schools have become obsolete and misleading. They address questions which arise about our schools, which, what is public and what is private, 
and what should be the difference between them, what obligations do and should fully funded schools have to the public which pays to run them, should they be open, should they be taken over, I wonder. Dogs have always said they should have been taken over long ago. They should have been taken over in 1964 when this madness started. Now, such questions have got to be answered if schooling is to provide access and equity combined with effectiveness and efficiency. And that is the executive summary of their very considerable research that Robert will be talking about further by Chris Bonner and Bernie Shepherd. Now, who are they? Who are Chris Bonner and Bernie Shepherd? Chris Bonner was once the head of the Principals of New South Wales organisation and Bernie Shepherd was also a principal. But they have turned researchers and they're very good researchers indeed and they have turned into activists for the public system, the public education system in which they worked and also, of course, for the children because no person who has worked in the public school can ever forget the children and how much, how important they are to our future in this country. Now, Bernie Shepherd and um, uh, Bonner have had a lot of success uh, with the mainstream media, actually. But as well as that, they use online opinion to discuss these matters. And they have a very interesting article in online opinion, and we have referred to it in our press release. So you can go to online opinion and read their article online if you wish to. But uh, this article argues much the same as they do on their um, in this uh, research that they've done, private school public cost, it's called. And there were quite a few comments. There was uh, 31 comments, in fact, before they closed down the discussion. But some of these comments are very interesting. Most of them were favourable, but the unfavourable ones uh, give you some insight into the mindset of private school promoters. But over to Dale, and she will read some of the comments to the material that is being presented by Rick, uh, sorry, Chris Bonner and uh, Bernie Shepherd. Thanks, Jean. Yeah. So these comments are in response to the research piece, uh, private school public, public cost. And uh, Harry says, just another example of the surreptitious erosion of democracy. I also see in it sly attacks on unions as their members can only be found in the public system. Public school staff and parents of pupils who have been designated leaners and not likely to contribute to the creation of a reliant conservative voting bloc in mammon we trust. Uh, And also Jim McAlpine has uh, weighed in and says, this is a timely, balanced piece of rigorous research by Shepard and Bonner. It draws the necessary attention to the need for fair changes to be made to the funding of students in school. No doubt it will be attacked with diversionary arguments by those who want to preserve privilege for some schools. And again, a gentleman calling himself Sir Rex says, speaks volumes about the mindset and priorities of those running our country. Continue to hand out welfare to the advantaged while soapboxing about lifters and leaners and ending the age of entitlement. They really are quite determined to create a new subclass in this once great country. 
now a commentator and calling himself whatever you reckon, says, is there any doubt that Tony Abbott is hell-bent on turning Australia into a nation of haves and have-nots? Everything his government has done since the release of the 2014 budget has been the action of a government on a mission to destroy egalitarianism and the Aussie fair go in favour of feathering the nest of the already rich and privileged. And Wayne says it uh, simply. He says, class war. Let's keep the hoi polloi in its place. Yes, uh, thank you, Dale. Uh, There's a very interesting one from, obviously, a supporter of private schools who's a bit miffed by the stance being taken by Chris Bonner and Bernie Shepherd. And uh, he has his own view of statistics, I suppose. He reckons that for every dollar of education per student at private schools, 80 cents from, from parents and 20 cents from the government. Well, I don't know about that. It would uh, That might be Scots College, perhaps. For every dollar of education per student at public schools, he reckons, 90 cents from the government and 10 cents from parents. Well, uh, I don't think that is necessarily the case anymore either. And then he says, now I have kids in public school, but I went to a private school and I can tell you categorically you get what you pay for. But he doesn't tell us actually what you pay for. But he also says that he pays tax, so I think he is a private school person really. I have no issue with tax money keeping the hundreds of thousands of kids in the private school system. The public system would not cope. It's already bulging. Well, that's also highly questionable. It would cost us a lot less now if we took over these schools. He then goes on to say he would rather see the money... Listen to this. I would rather see the money we send to Indonesia as aid go to education. In fact, all foreign aid, no more sending cash offshore until we fix what is broken here. Bugger being a global citizen while the roof leaks in any school or the demountable is used or considered as a permanent solution. And then he says there's plenty of money for education This notion it has to come from funding private schools is nonsense. But I'll go back. You've heard what he has to say about those less fortunate than ourselves around the world. I go back and I point out that he went to a private school and he can tell us categorically that at a private school, at a private religious school, I assume, you get what you pay for. So if he went to a private school and he's got children of his own, he almost certainly went to a private religious school and that religious school would have been a Christian school. So what really did he get at his Christian school? What values? What values? Not Christian values. Not very community-minded. No. But not Christian values. If he... Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, as a Christian, I find selfish. that I find it that I just find it very sad indeed. Mm. Very sad indeed. Um, and is it no wonder that the churches are having trouble getting people onto their pews? Uh, then there's a then there's a, a straightforward um, political one. How strange that a heavily biased Catholic cabinet led by a former priest in training (laughs) could preside over such obvious favouritism to the Catholic education sector, 
Next thing, they will be employing their own in preference to non-Catholics. Well, what, what makes him think they don't already? Secret meeting with Pell, anyone? How much the LNP has changed from its origins? Well, I assume that that's somebody who has connections with the old establishment rather than the new one. So there you are. Um, I thought that those were very interesting comments and I always enjoy the comments and sometimes uh, the dogs people contribute their own. But Robert, as usual, is champing at the bit here. He's uh, been very interested in this uh, issue that has uh, uh, been filling the media. It even got onto the drum uh, in the last uh, week and on Thursday it, it surfaced not just in the Sydney Morning Herald, but in the age. So it's down. It's come down to Victoria from New South Wales. But over to Robert. Thank you very much, Jen. You're listening to The Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Defence of government schools. Well, they need defending because they're being attacked. And today we've had um, a chink in the armour of those which wish to attack government schools. Um, There's been a very interesting pronouncement by Michelle Green, the head of independent schools here in Victoria, about the rhetoric, rhetoric, the arguments that she's using uh, to support taxpayers' money going to private schools. And I think it's getting fascinating. But, But we'll be dealing with that after these messages. Politicians and mainstream media are fueling anti Muslim hate. Attacks on Muslims are increasing and the fear is causing some women to restrict their movements. Worse, an anti-Muslim political party is launching in October. It's time for people who oppose bigotry to organise. Stand up and speak out against Islamophobia. Sign the statement at www.voicesagainstbigotry.org and ask others to do the same. Don't be a bystander. Voices Against Bigotry is a 3CR supporter. Yes, thanks for that. As I said before, you're listening to the Dogs Program, Defence of Government Schools. Now, there's been a little bit of a brouhaha lately, I'd say a very large brouhaha, um, with sort of barbs being traded by public school advocates. Um, Jean's outlined what they're on about. That's um, Chris Bonner and Bernie Shepherd, who come up with what I would call actually in years to come a seminal paper. It's been a shift. The dogs have been out on a limb here for a couple of decades talking about the fact that governments should not give any money to private schools. Fifty years, in fact. Fifty years, yes, many decades, fifty years, in fact. Um, And everyone seems to have come over into our little corner as kind of saying pretty much exactly what we're saying. Some of them haven't quite got here yet over in the dogs' corner, but they're certainly moving towards us. Um, I promised before that I would discuss exactly what Michelle Green, who's the leader of the Independent Schools Network um, here in Victoria. Lobbyist, uh, lobbyist, oh, not a leader. <laughs> oh, lobbyists can be leaders, leaders can be lobbyists. I'm, 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 I've, I've never met the woman, truth to tell. I wouldn't mind meeting her. Um, I'd like to actually question on her where, where she learned her rhetoric, where she learned how to argue. Because in the article that, that I'm about to share with you, dear listeners, um, she outlines the reasons why taxpayers' money should go to private schools. Now, these arguments, I would have to say, have changed over the years, and Jean can tell you more about this, I'm sure, but the arguments have changed. No longer is it a question of sectarianism. No, no longer is it a question of if you don't like private schools, that means you must be an atheist or anti-Catholic or something. All that's gone. Um, all the arguments about sort of saving money have gone. 
Um, even all the arguments about values are quite thin. There is now an argument that Michelle Green's putting forward, and I will share this with you in her own words, as I think that's only fair, because as Sun Tzu says, you know, know your enemy. Um, but Michelle Green is an ap- apologist for what J.K. Galbraith would probably call the modern conservative, um, because the modern conservative, as J.K. Galbraith said, is um, in, in conducting one of the, the oldest exercises in moral philosophy, which, of course, is um, seeking an ethical justification or a moral justification for selfishness. The whole basis of the private school argument is to create a moral justification for selfishness. If I do the right thing for my child, selfishly or otherwise, then um, that is fine and I have a moral basis to doing so. The whole argument that surrounds the government funding private schools these days is around this idea of freedom, personal choice in a marketplace, which of course these days, if you listen to neoliberal economists, has a moral quality. Uh, um, the moral quality, the goodness of a free market and the goodness of personal choice is often compared to the badness and the evilness of collectivenesses and communismisticalnesses and socialisationisms. Um, because often free market you know, economists try to, in fact, I think quite stridently try to, create a moral foundation for the primacy of the free market. Um, I reject this, and many other actually economists reject this as well, this idea of conflating what is morally good with the free market. Michelle Green, in her article, is just left with this, what I consider to be quite thin rhetoric. But um, before going on to that, um, and and sort of letting Michelle Green speak for herself, um, I, I would like to sort of outline what it is that she's responding to. Now, firstly, she's responding to what Jean quite rightly says is a very interesting article on the drum and indeed online opinion by uh, Chris Bonner and and Bernie Shepherd. Um, they start their particular article, and it, it relates to a quite detailed research paper, and I think it's worth highlighting in their words what they said, which has kind of got Michelle Green, I think, a bit hot under the collar. In the introduction to their paper, this isn't the article, this is, this is what the article refers to, their paper, which was entitled Private School, Public Cost, they state the situation that we have very boldly. They say, we have here in Australia a poorly planned hybrid arrangement of schools, which has evolved over time. These schools, all schools in Australia, have much in common, but the differences between schools, and indeed between sectors, is significant. On the one hand... Government-owned and funded schools must be available and accessible to all families, regardless of their circumstances and location. Alongside these are publicly subsidised non-government schools, broadly grouped into Catholic and independent in Australia, which have no such obligations and admit students whose parents can pay a fee. (laughs) Now, over the last two years... This, this, is, this is up to 2013, the total recurrent funding per student available to operate non-government schools has exceeded, and in some cases greatly exceeded, the funding available for similar students in government schools. They state the problem boldly. It's not a question of saving money. More money is being, taxpayers' money, is being spent on private school students than public school students. Within the next four years, they prophesy, the per-student amounts paid just by governments, not parental contributions, 
just by governments to operate most Catholic and independent schools in Australia will equal or exceed the amount provided by governments to run similar government schools. Many Catholic schools, most notably in Victoria, have already overtaken government schools in the level of their public funding in 2013. If recent trends are a guide, say these two authors, within four years the majority of non-government schools will cost the public more to run than similar government schools. This incremental yet dramatic shift in public funding priorities has substantial implications for the government, schools and indeed school authorities. These authors examine how this situation came about and how it could and should reshape the debate and decisions about school funding in Australia. Now they go on to talk about claims, claims made by private school lobbyists about schools and funding. And they say it is essential to place any analysis in the context of long-standing beliefs about school funding. For many years, debates about schools have been strongly influenced by claims that the public funding of non-government schools is good policy, especially as it represents a considerable saving to governments. According to one such claim, um, and this is a quote, um, if the 1.4 million students now in private primary and secondary schools were shifted back to public schools, the Australian government would face an extra annual cost of $9 billion. (laughs) Now, such a potential public cost has been described by some as fiscal suicide, something which would create a financial tsunami. According to the Independent Schools Council of Australia, which is the ISCA, they say public funding allocated to independent schooling represents a highly efficient and effective use of government resources. Victorian Catholic schools, according to one writer, operate on 10% less resources than government schools. Rubbish. Now, all this is achieved in the face of a claimed injustice, especially to students in independent schools who, and I quote, on average receive less than half the public support of students in government schools. Despite this, their schools apparently perform at an even greater public service, being part funded by fees, by freeing up scarce government resources to be allocated to other priorities and reduce the need for government revenue raising. But, and here's the but, Statement about school funding always rewards a closer scrutiny, according to Chris Bonner and Bernie Shepherd. Claims such as those above usually refer to averaged recurrent costs to government, Catholic and independent schools. But the costs of schooling vary according to where schools are located and whom they enrol. Averages might be useful if each sector enrolled similar students, but they clearly don't. All students cost the same to educate. Those with advantaged backgrounds and circumstances are less costly. Those coming from well behind require more support. In reporting the relative costs and claims inefficiencies in each sector, it is essential to compare schools that enrol similar students. And data available on the MySchool website now makes this possible. Now, their thesis is, if you take the whole idea of enrolling similar students, you find that there is, in fact, a very different picture. 
Now, to go to the conclusion of this paper, because there are a lot of facts and figures, and I do recommend it, it's available actually at the SOS, the Save Our Schools website, and it will be actually available on the DOGS website as well, www.adogs.info. And I do suggest you investigate because it's, it's very effective research. In fact, it's so effective that the independent school lobbyists and the Catholic school lobbyists have left it alone. They're not going to touch it. Normally, they pull out their own figures and start screaming. Oh, that's not unusual. The dogs used to put full-page advertisements in the paper and they never bit, never bit at all on Raymond Nielsen's figures. They won't bite on uh, these people's figures either. Yes, I think that's true. In conclusion, this article says, now, when the My School website entered its second year, this is several years ago, and the data became far more reliable... Um, Bonner and Shepherd began to investigate what the data was telling them about the whole framework of schools. Since then, they've jointly published data and accounts which confirm significant social divisions between the school systems, and divisions which the OECD has reported as being greater than those found in equivalent countries. That is to say, Australia has, compared to similar countries, a very inequitable, unfair education structure and systems. But As my school continued in the fifth and sixth years, these authors wanted to know the extent to which the data might show changes over time in such areas as student achievement, funding and equity. And they especially wanted to know whether the findings of the Gonski Review were confirmed by the data. And, of course, their findings, which were published in Gonski, My School and Education Market, not only confirmed the warnings of the Gonski Review, but raised many unanswered questions. The authors were surprised to previously discover the high level of overspending on already advantaged students. But the scenario government funding competing schools ahead of their own is even more evidence that school funding has become, at the moment, dysfunctional. School funding has long been riddled with inconsistencies, opaque formulas and elusive deals. But what we are now heading into is territory that has not been charted anywhere in the world. And it challenges the foundations of the whole framework that Australian schooling is now being run under. But worse than that, it is a a waste to continue to fund schools in ways which are ineffective and inefficient. It makes a mockery of repeated claims that governments can't find the money needed to implement Gonski solutions. The problem created by inequity won't go away without needs-based funding. We know that targeted investment in struggling schools does make a difference. Indeed, instead... Australia has created an uncomfortable scenario of overfunding some schools alongside demonstrably and unfulfilled needs in others. And we don't have to look too far to find the answer to an age-old question, where will the money come from? We have remained, along with most of the education community, committed to the Gonski sector-blind solutions, they say, these two authors. We share the concerns expressed by some, but not all, Um, governments seek to walk away from these solutions. It seems that policymakers and school funders have suffered from a different form of sector blindness. They have managed to avoid facing the mounting problems created by differentially funding the school sectors, while never acknowledging the real differences between them, and certainly never looking for solutions. Each mounting absurdity and inequity in our hybrid system of schools has posed a challenge. Will governments intervene to create improved student outcomes, greater equity, transparency, and a sustainable balance between the sectors? Gonski is as close as we have ever come to achieving this. 
Or will they encourage even more narratives to justify inertia and inequity and to just justify funding private schools at levels increasingly above their own? Well, and how did Michelle Green uh, respond to this, Robert? Uh, sorry, well, the lobbyist, uh, Michelle Green. You can call her a leader if you like. Oh, no, I can. I mean, she's got a job. She gets a wage. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I've never met her. Maybe when I do meet her, I can, I can choose to attack her personally. But I'm, at the moment, very happy to attack her rhetoric. I'm very happy to attack what it is that she's saying. Because she says in an article on July the 13th in The Age, and it's a fascinating article, and I do think it's worth having a look at, the article's entitled, We Should Stop Using Stereotypes to Lambast Private Schools. And she says, there's an old saying, everyone's an expert on education because everyone's been to school, she says. It's a glib observation, not even a half-truth. What happens at school then when... When, when you went to school, it's not what happens now, she says, when your children sit in class. And just because you once sat in a classroom, it doesn't mean you understand even half of what goes on in education. Right, OK, I don't know what that so means. So far motherhood, yes, yeah, so far no, motherhood. So, so far ev- everyone should be quiet because I'm the expert. Is she? You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Anyway, she goes on. She says, teacher training and professional development are complex. So she's not addressing the issue yet. Anyway, she goes on. It's, so is creating a curriculum balancing the constant pressure to squeeze more into crowded timetables. Oh. Beyond the classroom, there are intricacies of managing a school, responding to parental requests, meeting individual student needs and complying with regulatory requirements. It's complicated. Ask any teacher or principal. Well, everything she said so far, I can't say I disagree with. I don't know why she's saying it, uh, but she said it, and fair enough. But you're right, Jane, they're motherhood statements. She goes on. These complexities are often missing in media commentary on school education. Instead, debate is often reduced to a cliched recitation of stereotypes to create artificial all-or-nothing confrontations between government and private schools. Well, anyway, such arguments sometimes display prejudice and bias. Oh, yes. Replacing back to the this is the new sectarian uh, yes, yes. stuff. Prejudice yep. and bias. Prejudice and bias. Yes. Yeah. Replacing calm consideration of facts with finger pointing and point scoring. <laughs> I thought that what Bonner was trying to do was to give us some facts. Yes. Anyway, discussion is reduced to in an infantile playground squabble instead of light and shade, and we end up with false clarity. She says, "I'm not quite sure. I would actually um." talk about Bernie Shepherd and Chris Bonner as, as being infantile. Yeah, it's not like and, they're waxing lyrical. Yeah, um, they're actually, they are actually educational experts. They've been principals of big schools. I would have thought oh, oh. they knew what they were talking about. Well, well mm. apparently um, yeah, they, they're, they're creating a false clarity. Oh. Now, Michelle Green supports the right of parents to have a choice in how their children are educated. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Um, She says, if they choose a private school, they have a right to expect a fair share of the cost of that education will come from the taxes that they pay. And they have a right to spend as much of their after-tax income as they can afford on that education. That's fascinating. We'll come back to that. That, that, That's an argument they've been using for a long time, and Mm. it relates to personal freedom. Mm. Um, It relates to choice, and choice and freedom being the same things. Mm. I mean, there are some arguments against that. 
I mean, put it this way, um, if I decided to set up my own little private police force in my backyard and decide that I was going to beat up people, then um, I don't think that's a... Re- and, and then not pay taxes for police. Mm. And you should have as many guns as you like. <laughs> of course yeah. I can do that because I have to defend myself because I've decided that it's, it's my choice. choice not to pay taxes for the police force. Mm. Anyway, we'll, we'll continue. We'll continue with Michelle Green. Um, well, yeah, it is crazy, darling. It's isn't cretinous. It? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 absenting yourself from a social contract. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's saying it I'm going to pay hands. my taxes for this, but I won't pay it for that. Yeah. Um, because yes, I'm in Australia, but I'm not going to use a, a public school, so I'm not going to pay taxes for a public school. The enlightenment never happened. Well. The government's not responsible for anything or anyone. The same argument would be, well, you know, for, for, for those of us who are childless, <laughs> I mean, by definition, I mean, it's a waste of time for me to pay my taxes for someone else's child's education. Someone else's, someone else's aspirations. Well, no, I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I mean, the argument extends to the, I don't have any children, so I'm not going to pay any money for any school at all, government or private. No, not at all, because I don't mm. have any children. It's not mm. my concern, and it would be unfair for the government to come down here and <laughs> offend my liberty and take away my choice and, and get in the way of my rights and make me pay money to educate other people's children because I have made a perfectly reasonable choice and have the freedom yeah. to not have children myself. Yeah. I don't drive a car, so you know oh, well, my no. taxes no, uh, no. shouldn't go towards roads. Absolutely you know. not. No, yeah, it's, it's cretinous. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's it's an old argument that the private school lobby use. Um, it's been going around for a while, and that's one of the arguments that they're still coming up with. Anyway, back to Michelle Green. Sorry, I was getting a bit. Sorry, I, I apologise. No, no, you don't, you don't apologise, Dar. We're, <laughs> we're both um, we're both of a mind on this. I think. Anyway, Michelle Green says. Even when she disagrees with critics of private schools, she doesn't necessarily question their sincerity or commitment to education. Oh, that's nice. She does, however, challenge conclusions that would deny parents and their children their rights. Here we go, rights. This is sounding a bit American to me. Mm. Anyway, she goes on. In particular, she objects when private schools are reduced to stereotypes that overlay their diversity. The social good that they produce, and the range of factors parents consider when they send their children to a private school. She says there's been plenty of prejudice in recent reporting and commentary. She says it reached farcical and offensive depths when the Herald Sun in Victoria had articles that portrayed private schools as hotbeds of crime, (laughs) producing students who go on to commit murders and run drug trafficking rings. Oh, they, they must be Mexican or something, according to Donald Trump or something. I, I don't even know what that means. The Waffia want, want to be respectable. Mm-hmm. They certainly have very interesting funerals near us up in West Melbourne. Mm, that's probably true. Uh, yeah, so she, she, she thinks this is prejudice and, and, and private schools being uh, portrayed as hotbeds of crime producing students who commit murders. These articles in the Herald Sun were extreme examples of the patterns of reporting that creates a lazy narrative by squeezing private schools into a well Poor private schools. I know. I'm starting to feel bad for you. Oh, Michelle, Michelle, if you're listening, don't feel bad. Here at The Dogs, we do not think that private schools produce criminals who go out and murder people and inject them with AIDS-filled needles. No. No, we don't think that because... 
Well, it's not true. I mean, what's that, what's that got to do? Why are you telling me this? Yes. <laughs> why, why are you writing this? <laughs> I don't believe that. And quite we frankly, don't read the Herald Sun. Oh. Yeah, who reads the Herald Sun well, and believes it anyway? I mean, I mean, some people do, but Michelle, don't worry. Herald we, are, we at the dogs are your worst enemies, and we don't think that's true. How about that? <laughs> we can't help it if the Herald Sin is more interested in sin than in other no. things. And, you know, Facts. Michelle, it's all right. We don't think kids that go to private schools are bad people. We don't. No way. I mean, they're kids. Exactly. I mean, probably. I mean, you know, there's various parents that said their kids to public schools. They're not bad people. They've just been duped by your marketing. Mm. It's not them that we're having a go at. Poor Michelle. It's you. Yeah. She goes on, Michelle, um, and she refers to an article by Julie Zergo. It's a very interesting article, and we referred to it a couple of weeks ago, which which was titled "Going Private: Top Grades or the Right Milieu." Mm-hmm. And she said that this article displayed a different type of prejudice because her freedom and liberty are being and rights are being offended by prejudiced people like Julie Zergo. Clearly, Zergo is sincere and passionate, so she's nice to, um, and she's an advocate for education who's not in the same category as those terrible people at the Herald Sun who portrayed private schools as incubators of crime. But yet, she says, um, her judgment distorts her logic when she seeks, this is Julie, in her words, to tackle the mythologies and pure falsehoods in the education debate. Unfortunately, she perpetuates her own myth by turning a defence of government schools into assault on private schools. Well, she says that Julie's article was awash with stereotypes. Rich parents duped into wasting money on monocultural schools to ensure their kids enjoy the assured lifelong benefits of the old school time. I've met quite a few of these stereotypes. What's stereotypical? Isn't that a f- fact? Isn't that? <laughs> what are you paying your money they, for? Isn't that our neighbour? They do exist. Oh, yes. oh, goodness. Yes, yes, indeed. Now, the resulting picture is confused. Julie's picture is confused <laughs> and one-dimensional, according to Michelle. If you believe the stereotype, you'd think private schools are all in Melbourne's affluent eastern suburbs. And here we get to, now here we get to the thing. Private schools aren't rich. Listen to this. Listen to this. Michelle says in her article, Defending Private Schools, it might surprise many to know that the strongest growth of private schools is in Melbourne's urban periphery, which account for 22% of all enrolments. The next highest growth is in regional Victoria, which accounts for 17% of all enrolments. Far from being the preserve of an exclusive elite, one-third of all private schools are classified as low-fee schools. The category has recorded the highest growth in enrolments over the past 10 years. They still bankrupt parents. Oh, they certainly do. So private schools are poor and put upon and, it, and their liberties are being, are being taken away and it's all bad. And but they've been given... MLC doesn't exist and neither does Scots and, <laughs> and, and, and they're all poor. And they've been given, the Catholic Education Office has been given billions and billions and billions to fix up their needy, poor schools. If they still exist, then there's something wrong. Indeed. Mm. But Michelle, I mean, I have to say, poor Michelle is not responsible for Catholic schools. She's she's responsible for independent oh, I'm schools. I'm sorry. No, that's no, all right. No, I mean, if, if 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 you want to get stuck into Stephen Elder, we can do no, that next fair's week. Fair's fair. Yeah, no, we'll get stuck into Stephen next week. <laughs> anyway, back to Michelle. She goes on to say, NAPLAN results are far from complete measures of schools' values in its students' achievement. <laughs> When these results, at primary level at least, show little difference between state and private schools, Zergo takes the opportunity to argue parents of private school students have been conned. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, that, that, that's what Julie argues. And I, yeah. 
And she says, oh, but this patronizes the poor duped parents <laughs> and ignores complex issues they consider when choosing a school. Who's patronizing who? Oh, yes. In regular surveys, she says, Independent Schools Victoria asks all their parents why they choose to send their kids to private schools. Now, the top six reasons are, one, the school's emphasis on developing sound morals, values, beliefs and attitudes. A belief the school is best suited to the child's need is number two. Number three is the school's reputation. Number four... The quality of its education programs. Number five, its educational philosophy. And number six, its academic results. It doesn't sound like parents are being duped, she said. Rather, they value education and make an effort to investigate the... Oh, what lovely private school parents. They're completely different to those silly public school parents um, who she, by definition, says don't care. But... I mean, actually, that is a bit of a rhetorical leap. But she's saying that all these lovely private school parents who are spending all their money in, on, on primary school fees um, are doing it for all the good reasons, and, and that's, that's good. I'd like to make just a small point here. A lot of these schools are, in fact, religious. They are Christian, and a lot of them are fairly um, hard-line Christian and are not happy with Darwin and his origin of the species and the survival of the fittest. And yet I suspect that the main reason that they send their children to these schools is that they really do believe in a nasty society which we are developing and it's getting nastier thanks to these uh, private schools. In a nasty society, they want their children uh, to survive. They want them to be the fittest at whatever cost. Yeah, to uh, to it's the. It's interesting others, that yeah. the first the first uh, reason stated there was the the values and the morals, mm. and and it makes morals, me wonder values. morals and Why values really? like that other gentleman repl- who replied before um, mm. the one who didn't want to have any selfishness aid going to mm. foreign countries because mm. you know you know it's none of our business. Let's you know. And I find that very, very sad. I find that in the name of Christianity, these schools, in fact, are so hypocritical. And in the name of criticising Darwin, Mm. they are, in fact, selling themselves as giving the parents the opportunity to make sure their children are the fittest that survive Mm. in a jungle which we're now creating, which our governments our right-wing governments are creating in our society. I find it very sad indeed. Well, Jane, I think you've, you've, you've put... I think inadvertently you've actually put a very interesting point about this article because you're talking about religion. You're talking about Christianity. You're talking about morals and you're talking about values. But you're talking about religion. And that's the one thing Michelle Grain is not talking about. Hmm, Not yes. once in this article, yes. up until this point, and, it, and I'll, I'll continue because I think it's fair to, 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 hear, to, to actually hear Michelle in her own words. But I can tell you right now, not once does she mention religion. Religion is not a justification in her mind. Hmm. Religious freedom is not a justification in her mind for funding private schools. It's all about much more nebulous ideas. It's about rights and freedom and choice. It's not about God. Which is interesting. And in that list of reasons why she said parents sent their child to religious independent schools, mm. religion wasn't on the list. It wasn't on her list. Mm. Now, either she's framing the questions to get rid of it because it's a bit on the nose at the moment, 
uh, the moral authority of most major religions <laughs> in the moment being very questionable. Um, in, a, in a PR sense, certain, c- certainly in a marketing sense. <laughs> Maybe she just wants to avoid it. Or um, there could be some other reasons. You're talking about religion, Jean, and I think you're right to do so because that's at the heart of, 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 of the education divisions in Australia. It's part of why we have it and it's part of what's going on right now. But Michelle Green doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, well, my concern is that in the name of Christianity... Um, which is not quite a religion, it it can be a way of life. It should be a way of life if you're a follower of Christ. In the name of Christianity, these so-called Christian schools are doing such unchristian things and producing such a jungle of a society, Mm. which which runs so contrary to Christian values, and I find this particularly sad Mm. and worrying. Mm. Well, I think this is really interesting because she goes on um, to again criticise Julie's article and Julie mentioned that, you know, basically you're wasting your money if you send your child to a primary primary school that's private. Mm. Um, and so, you know, Michelle is actually staking a claim, a marketing claim for to, to create some kind of value proposition um, for primary private schools, certainly in the independent sector. And she goes on to say that Julie's wrong to suggest good test scores achieved by students at private schools as a result of lavish resources in classrooms filled with rich kids. <laughs> Yet she mentions a disadvantaged school, which is down in North Primary, great little school, that one, that scores excellent results despite its relative lack of resources and paucity of rich kids. And she says, well, that's a contradiction, indicating there's more to student achievement than parental wealth. And she's now sort of saying, well, because Julie has mentioned these two things together, um, SES is not a factor in the educational outcomes of kids in Australia. And quite frankly, it is. The OECD reckons it is. The Catholic Education Office reckons it is. Independent schools actually reckon it is because that's what they use in their marketing campaigns mm. to try and attract. So I don't quite know what she's saying there. That's, that's a sort of, I don't know, a, a rhetorical stew. She's at odds with the rest of her gang. Well, yeah, no, she's, she, she wants it both ways. Hmm. You know, she wants to say, oh, no, you should pay the money to attend a private school because that way you'll get better results because it's better resourced. But, you know, resources don't really matter. Yeah, yeah. And so, so <laughs> resources don't really matter, so you should send your kid to a private primary school yeah. anyway. I, I, it's strange. She's doing the job she's paid for, and it's a very difficult job because to justify what the pub, private hmm. schools are now doing in Australia is an almost impossible task. Mm. Which is why I think this article is so interesting because this mm. is what they're saying and doing to justify what's happening at the moment and at the moment it's looking thin. But let's continue. Mm. Um, Michelle Green oh, says that Julie cites statistics indicating that primary students at government schools are lagging behind in, pers- in persuasive writing tests and ponders if this is due to a high concentration from non-English speaking backgrounds. But there's barely a difference, she says. In 2011, there was about as many kids from non-English-speaking backgrounds in private and public schools, and so this shouldn't be a factor. Yeah, well, let's come to her statistics in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also, and this, this is really, really gets interesting. She says, what lies behind the attacks on private schools is, in fact, the greatest cliché of all, that education is a zero-sum game in which selecting a school that suits your child is an attack on other children. Yes, it is. Uh, Michelle, yes, it is. Mm. Um, this has been shown conclusively by, 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 by Chris Bonner and Bernie Shepherd. Yes, it's not a cliché. No. It's just what's been happening. It's what's continuing to happen. It's what's accelerating. It's called inequity. It's called unfairness. And that is exactly what's happening. You might call it a cliche, but you know what? Sometimes cliches are true. 
Well, they're cliches for a reason. Indeed. And she says, and then she goes on to say, without any evidence, by the way, providing funds for private schools doesn't mean depriving students in government schools. <coughs> That's what she says. No evidence. She just says, it's a cliche. I don't want to talk about it. And it's not true. She said, lambasting private schools won't ensure that every Australian student receives what they're entitled to. She said, there's a word. Some have greater entitlements than others. Well, she says, all Australians are entitled to a quality education. (laughs) And she applauds anyone who is passionate about education, especially parents who take time to consider the complicated question of which school, state or private, is best for their child. That last sentence, by the way, (laughs) is what is commonly known in the marketing world and many other worlds as a um, S-H-I-T sandwich. Hmm. What you do is you start being nice to the people, Hmm. then you um, tell them what it is they shouldn't could be doing and tell them all the nasty bits and argue your point, and then you finish off with being nice to them again. Hmm. And S-I... S-H-I-T, sandwich. Mm. Yes, I apologise to listeners who don't like language like that, but that's what she's done. But that final comment really gets me. Mm. Her only rhetorical argument is to belittle those who state quite directly and with a great deal of evidence that if you give money to private schools, it is not of benefit Mm. to those kids in state schools. And I'll say it, because she's stated it more clearly than anyone else I've come up with. She says that, I'll, I'll say this again, that education is a zero-sum game in which selecting a school that suits your child in the private sector is a t- an attack on other children. Well, that's exactly what it is. Hmm. And that's exactly what the dogs have been saying for 50 years, and that's exactly what we'll continue to say until they sort out the mess. You're listening to The Dogs Program here on 3CR, 855 on the AM dial, and we will um, just return with some few concluding remarks after these messages. At 17 seconds after 8.15, on the clear, bright morning of August 6, 1945, an atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, Japan. August 6 and 9 mark 70 years since the U.S. atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which claimed more than 200,000 lives. Join the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons, ICANN, for Australia's first ever screening of the extraordinary 1953 film, Hiroshima. Thursday, August 6th at 6.30, Collide Theatre, Melbourne. Bookings at iCanW.org.au. Proceeds support ICANN's work to ban and eliminate the 15,000 nuclear weapons that exist in the world today. ICANN is a 3CR supporter. Well, our time is running out, but I'd like to say two things. One is that there is a trade pact which at the moment is being uh, signed uh, or it's going to come into Parliament and if the Labor Party and the Greens don't uh, oppose it, then I think that the whole question of even having a public education system which is free for our children and not up for sale for all of the children around the world who've got wealthy parents, uh, I think that we have to think about this. The other thing is... We need money for public education. Negative gear, the negative gearing uh, tax that was not paid was didn't come into the coffers through exemptions. The negative gearing that we would get if we did away with negative gearing tomorrow is at least twenty two point five billion. If they did away with negative gearing tomorrow, we would be able to have an excellent public education system and an excellent health system too. And if we did away 
with the public money going to private enterprise in both education and health, then we'd save an awful lot of money too and we would be in a much better position as a nation. Uh, We need to actually get back to our history that is worth thinking about, get back to those people who fought for uh, public education and public health uh, in days gone by. They knew what it meant to have a very good nation, a strong nation. That is the most important thing that we should be thinking about at the moment. And Mr Abbott seems determined to just divide and rule. And that be, that starts at school. Let's put all our children together. Thank you very much, Jane. And just to conclude, um, not in my words and not indeed in the words of, words of Michelle Green, but actually in the words of a couple of interesting people. One is Dr Phil, who's a commenter on the Age website, who made this comment at, at 4.53am on July 23rd. Um, and he said, and I think this is interesting, she said, Michelle Green wrote an excellent article that puts in perspective the reasons why many parents will make great sacrifices, oh, those poor parents, to send their kids to private schools. The best way to make this fair is to ensure that every child is allocated an educational grant that they can use in either private or public schools. A voucher system. A voucher system is what Dr Phil's suggesting. Um, We, of course, think, why wouldn't you do that? (laughs) Well, here's an interesting reply from Andrew from Reservoir. Andrew, I think, puts it very succinctly. He says, Dr Phil, I disagree. Why should taxpayer funds a choice not to use the public system. We should fund a first-class public education system. If people choose not to use it, that's fine. But they should pay for that choice themselves. The commitment from government should be to provide a first-class public education system, not just to provide money per child and claim that their obligation is complete and parents can sort it out for themselves. If the ed- It is the education that is important, not the money. A first-class education system is just as dependent on the culture of the school and the community as the money spent. By funding people's private school choices, we make private schooling more financially available to more people and by doing so, take more of the middle class out of public schooling, which lowers the standard of public schools. This becomes a vicious cycle, with more parents paying for private schools to avoid public ones. Funding private schools destroys the public system. The public system is exactly the thing that we should be supporting and building up. As a society, we need to provide a first-class public education system. We don't need to fund those who choose not to use it, especially when that funding undermines the very system that we are trying to create. Here, here. And on that note, I think we have to conclude here at The Dog Show. Defence of Government Schools, if you're interested, obviously, in June's press release, and I know I am, um, you can get hold of it at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. But until next week, when the public education will unfortunately probably still require defending, uh, until next week here at the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools, it's bye for now. Joe, you're ten years dead. I never 
Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. 